Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick. And joining us this week is special guest Cousin Jeff for Jeff Lasseter. Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. In fact, last time you were on, I got some feedback saying you should be a permanent co-host. So if you ever want to come on, please come on. It's a great episode. Anytime you want to talk about, I, I'll come on anytime there's a horror movie you want to talk about, and then we'll talk about other stuff too. Absolutely. We need to make sure we do that, Sean, because <laughs> I do think the show gets better <laughs> whenever he's on. Or all of our guests, too. I'm not trying to take away from <laughs> Zach from last week. He was great as well. <laughs> it's not my intent. Uh, but I enjoy when Jeff's on. Yeah. Fuck you, Zach and Josh. <laughs> uh, visit us at IHateCritics.net. Everyone's a critic podcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is Critics Pod. Listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Subscribe to the show. Rate and review the show. Give us five stars. And we will give you a Blu-ray copy of some movie that Sean has. Uh, they're not just like a bunch of used old ones either. They're like ones that he's been given as a promo kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and I'll then, give him a copy of Suburbicon. <laughs> <laughs> Only the one star reviews get that. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, wait, wait, Patreon no prizes for one star reviews. Right. Patreon dot com. Yeah, sure yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what Sean just said, we're not giving out prizes for one star. <laughs> uh, we will read them, though. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash critics pods, the best way to help support the podcast. And then if you go to our T Public page over at IHateCritics.net and click on t- click on the T Public link, uh, you can get some of our podcast merch that was designed by Cousin Jeff. So uh, where can they check you out, by the way? Uh, Instagram is Jeff Lasseter Pop Cult. I just, uh, L-A-S-S-I-T-E-R. I just dropped three new uh, serial killer designs because when I was at, I was selling my stuff at Golden Con, the Golden Girls convention a couple weeks ago, I guess just a week ago. And three people asked me if I had any serial killer stickers. And I, up until now, have not. So I did some for Midwest that, Monster Fest, that which is, is a- coming up on the 13th. That is a Venn diagram I was not aware of. The Golden Girls serial killer fan <laughs> crossover. Well, you know the cliche about, oh, I'm going to go watch my murder shows. Then they follow it up. They watch a Lifetime movie about somebody who killed somebody. And then at, right after that, the Golden Girls comes on. So <laughs> Makes sense. I'm assuming that. <laughs> There's got to be some explanation. That's as good as any. All right, and I'll make sure that's in our show notes as well. Uh, let's go ahead and bring the pictures for this week up. For our YouTube audience who got to listen to me and Jeff talk about the return of John F. Kennedy next week. Uh, you missed out on that one, Sean. <laughs> okay. Only on YouTube. <clears throat> uh, let's go ahead and start this week off with Another Liam Neeson beats up people movie, Memory. Memory stars uh, Liam Neeson as a hitman who is uh, tasked with killing some people. Uh, But uh, he's got a big problem. He has uh, early onset dementia. 
finally so he's starting to lose. Huh? Finally, they're doing a <laughs> Liam Neeson movie, right? <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's suffering from really dementia. Is such a funny topic. Well, no, uh, I'm not trying to make fun of it. It's like he's an old I'm man. Just, I'm and... like, yeah. So he's, but he's still as badass as ever, though. He, he still kills everybody. Uh, Does he kill the right people or can, that he can't remember? Well, there's, they, that's the, this is a really terrible movie, so they don't really use it very well. Uh, but the premise here is that he is a, a hitman for hire who has been hired to kill two people uh, in his hometown of El Paso, Texas. Because <laughs> Liam Neeson, the most believable Texan of all time. <laughs> so he sent back to I'm El Paso. I'm going to find partner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, along with uh, facing off with the uh, that fellow Texan, Guy Pierce. <laughs> At least he was in a movie with the, where he had dementia or whatever that was, where he had tattooed on his body and all that good stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. the only reason Guy Pierce is in this is because of Memento, right? So it's a sequel. Uh, yeah, there you go. He does write things on himself to try and remember who he's killing and why. Um, this movie's terrible. It's it's so bad. And the thing is, they they basically use the dementia thing for the premise and then they don't really use it. There's like one scene where he's not sure if he was responsible for killing somebody or not. Uh, that he, you know, he kind of loses his head a little bit over whether he was responsible for somebody's death. But beyond that, he's just kind of becoming a hero. Like he's killing the bad people now, the people who hired him. <laughs> so that makes him an anti-hero. And this is kind of that's the kind of bullshit that we're dealing with here. Is this is this movie wants you to be to root for the root for people to work outside the law to kill bad people. In this case, child pa- traffickers and pedophiles. Which, yeah, of course, we all want to see bad things happen to child traffickers and pedophiles. There's no question. But that's the thing. Is like this movie is like you have to love this sort of justice. So you have to love, you know, this type of revenge thing and you have to be okay with people killing people outside the law. It's like, no, you don't actually. And that this type of thing, there's nobody actually able to do this. Like nobody's actually working outside the law to kill these people. It's like it's it's such a it's such a bullshit fantasy. And uh it's the kind of thing that just allows people to live in the worst of themselves, the worst of our society. The worst is just wallowing in violence because I get killed people who I, they, I get to watch people get killed who deserve it. And it's like, ugh, that's just, that's just gross. It's all very gross. And the thing is that the real, the people who die in this movie, like a couple of them are just truly innocent people. So it's like, what was your point in the end? Yeah. I love the tagline is mind is fading. That's all I got. His, his conscious is clear. <laughs> Uh, this is, sounds like the kind of movie that makes yeah. me wish he'd never done Taken. Right. Because <laughs> that just led to this. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, I mean, he was a respectable mm-hmm. actor. All three of these really were. Guy Pierce, Monica Bellucci. And now I don't know why they're limited to movies like this now, but. Uh, I, That's I, a good question. I don't get why people go and see it either. I guess I get what my seven-year-old dad does, but I don't get why anybody else would. Uh, well, thankfully, nobody did this weekend. It only made uh, $3 million at the box office and finished behind everything. So it finished like a t- 10th place, I believe it was, this weekend. So hopefully this brings an end to it. $3 million is a lot of money. How do you make $3 million? 
Well, they're not going to make their money back. I think it cost 15 and it topped out at three for the opening weekend. So you got to figure the multiplier maybe gets into nine. So yeah, this, this at least will be a failure. Now he can go back to Qui-Gon Jinn, a Star Wars story. <laughs> no, no, he can't. <laughs> or across a, uh, um, a crossover with Keanu Reeves and he can, like somebody steals John Wick's dog, and he John Wick kills everybody, but Liam Neeson goes and tries to find the dog, <laughs> and it could be like John Wick colon taken. <laughs> no, I have a very special set of skills <laughs> and dog treats. <laughs> I will find your dog. What if he kills John I don't Wick? Know who you are? Yeah. God, no. how disappointing would the John Wick fans be? <laughs> oh, no, thank you. This movie would probably be better if it was like he was the same guy from Taken, but he just forgot everybody. <laughs> he's, he's just, and he, he goes to find he goes to find his daughter's his granddaughter or something, and he gets there. And he can't remember who he's supposed to find, so he just like goes and lives on his French Riviera or something. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> or if it was just I won't watch this. Not an action movie at all, and a a serious <laughs> drama about a hitman dealing with dementia. <laughs> the morality of what he's done. <laughs> I mean, that could be it. That could be better. Honestly. I think that was the premise of the Irishman, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, but that was four hours. Wait, there was a premise? <laughs> Every hour had a different premise. Yeah. Bad CGI porn. <laughs> That's why I watched it twice. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the Grateful Dead. <laughs> It's a yeah, documentary so, uh, called Box of Rain. Yes, Box of Rain is uh, a documentary about uh, Grateful Dead fans, and it's about a woman who uh, named Lottie Frazier who, in the early 1980s, she suffered a sexual assault at the hands of uh, several young men that she went to high school with, and it, it obviously was deeply traumatic for her. And uh, one of the ways that she found to get some comfort was to go on a road trip with her uh, two of her closest friends and to get away from everything. And uh, what they did was they actually, they just kind of accidentally got some Grateful Dead tickets. And what they found on this journey was that the, the fandom of the Grateful Dead just welcomed them in immediately and created this sort of proto safe space, if you will, where she could be comfortable and be, feel taken care of and not, and feel safe. You know, even as, you know, as somebody who went through this with men that she knew, young men that she knew and a family that, didn't really believe her about what happened to her. It, she needed exactly that. And the Grateful Dead fans kind of gave her that. And so she, she went on a journey where she started following them and uh, kind of spent months of her life just uh, making bracelets and selling them and making a little money to buy tickets and gas to get to the next show and finding people who were along the way who give them blankets and food and just they comfort and the you know the community that she had lost thought she'd lost forever after what happened to her it's a a really lovely story and then she tops that with several other stories of people who tell pretty much very similar stories about the way that the grateful dead fandom brought them in and made them feel welcome and comfortable and uh, they created this space where everybody liked each other and the thing about it is is that it's so rare. It's so rare in, in modern fandom where you look, and this obviously isn't a modern fandom necessarily, but it's in fandom where you can 
find like there's a guy who tells a story just about having an, a, a chaste night with this woman that he met who gave he gave a ticket to her. They spent the night dancing and singing and doing drugs. And then she left and he left and nobody got assaulted. Nobody was sexually harassed. Like it's just this sweet, kind community. That's what everybody talks about over and over again about this just very accepting, sweet, kind community. And that is so rare, especially in modern fandom. When you think about the fandoms today, the way that you know they're always at each other's throat, it would seem. It's kind of nice to watch a documentary where just everybody has nothing but positive things to say. And granted, it's uncritical, completely. You know, nobody's telling any negative stories. So there, you know, there may be it. There may be negative stories, but nobody's telling those in this. But it's also her anecdotes and and her, her anecdotal evidence about how great this fandom was. And I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed hearing about just a group of nice people being nice to each other and enjoying music together. Uh, and that's pretty much what this documentary is all about. Yeah, I mean... But they still have to listen to The Grateful Dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean... through trauma together. That's why. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I... I as a music guy, I've never really gotten into the Grateful Dead. Uh, I those jam bands are they take a lot of effort, either that or a mm-hmm. lot of white weed, and I'm not really into either one, <laughs> effort or weed. So, <laughs> uh, I've, it, it's a nice idea, you know, to be that taken with music and and uh, and a vibe and a group of people. But uh, yeah, I, I've never been into that either. All people who don't have Twitter is what you're trying to say. <laughs> Barely have Twitter. Well, you, are you trying Star to say Wars that Twitter is toxic? Twitter. <laughs> like, oh. No, it's like, it's this wholesome and sweetest golden con. Um, <laughs> this is the kind of fandom that the golden con would have. Like, there's just a lot of nice people being nice to each other. Probably. I mean, I do think you can make that movie out of a lot of different fandoms and hide the bad stuff too (laughs) for the most part most things are positive it's just life isn't so there's always something that's negative that ruins it for everybody else uh but i mean you can look at the two woodstock documentaries the 69 versus the 99 one and a lot of the same things happen in both but the 69 one made it look like an amazing event of peace and love. And the 99 one made it look like we were, our generation was the worst. <laughs> Once again, though, pre-internet, yeah. post-internet. Mm-hmm. Right, well, then you throw in the fact that you can the way you edit stuff together makes it look different. Yeah. They had all the bad footage of the 69 Woodstock as well. Uh, did you know the, you know the dead did a concert where they actually drew more people than Woodstock? That's uh, a fact. They actually, I believe that. They, they did a show with two other bands, two other well-known bands. It was just those three bands, and they outsold Woodstock. It was the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I don't remember who it was they were with, but yeah, it was them and two other bands, and they outsold Woodstock. Are you sure it wasn't the Rolling Stone one where the... the... What I'm that? pretty the sure, yes, it was, Altamont? Not, it was Kate, Altamont, it, yeah. it was not Altamont, no. That had a lot of people, too. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Anyway, anything else on Box of Rain? It's available for uh, digital rental starting tomorrow. All right. Uh, the accident movie of the week that I don't know, think either one of us meant to watch. Uh, the mystery... <laughs> 
of Marilyn Monroe, the unheard tapes. I thought this was the the one with Anna Diarmas coming out, but I guess it doesn't come out for a few months. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead, we get this, we get this documentary where nothing really new or entertaining or interesting is even in it. At least maybe you disagree, Sean, but I did not care no, no. this at all. This is utter bullshit is what this is. And I feel bad for this guy who's dedicated his entire life to absolutely nothing, documenting pretty much uh, nothing. I mean, this guy's got a lot of unheard tapes uh, that, according to him, that nobody's listened to for years, uh, that he claims has the these bombshells about the death of Marilyn Monroe. And what we come to find out is that maybe she killed herself six hours later than people thought she did or six hours earlier than they thought she did. And it's right, like, that's it. what a revelation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's really, th- this guy is deeply, deeply dedicated to something that he shouldn't be dedicated to. That really nobody should be dedicated to. And that is, uh, I get he's a fan and he was a, you know, somebody who's a, he considers himself a journalist who is, who took on this story and made it his own. But, I mean, what what did he accomplish here? He's he's documented her life that is probably the most documented life in history, arguably. I mean, is there anything we really don't know about Marilyn Monroe? Short of him (laughs) having video of Kennedy stabbing her or something like that. (laughs) There is no need for this. (laughs) Right. I it it just I kind of this guy's kind of pathetic, honestly, Uh, the way he's just dedicated his entire life to documenting the most well-documented life of all time is kind of sad because he doesn't really have anything new to add to her life. He doesn't have any insights about her career. He doesn't have any real insights about her marriage. Yes, we know Joe DiMaggio was abusive. Yes, we know Arthur Miller was abusive. Yes, we know uh, that she's kind of a sympathetic figure because of that. Like, yes, all of that is true. These are not new things. Uh, So the new thing that they keep pushing like he's – really figured something out is that there's something about the night that she died. Uh, and, and the movie really tries like really hard to bullshit you into saying that, that uh, Robert Kennedy was responsible for Marilyn Monroe killing herself. And I mean, she was, she was a fragile person who got pushed into a situation by a potential love affair that again, is there actual evidence that they had anything going on? I mean, I know they had that, they had like some kind of connection to each other. They had some relationship where they, where they definitely seemed to see each other. There seems to be evidence to indicate that he may have seen her very close to her death, but there, is there any actual physical evidence that proves the Kennedys actually slept with Marilyn Monroe? Is that just all conjecture? I think based on, you know, historical interviews and stuff with people like Peter Lawford, it's high. It was highly, you know, suggested and highly hinted at. But I mean, that's everything you read about Marilyn Monroe or watch about her now is it's just, you know, her death. And I mean, she was actually a pretty good actress. And, you know, she really was. I mean, she really loved acting and she studied it. And why don't we get you know, something about her acting instead of her death. It's just like her and Elvis and Kirk, you know, that's like all they concentrate on is how they died, not how they lived. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not, you know, like leave out all her relationships and whatever, and just talk about her acting. Um, 
you know, I read, I listened to a book recently about uh, All About Eve. It's called All About All About Eve. And it was a lot of conversations about her at, in one of her earlier kind of breakout roles and how, you know, she was really trying and wanted to be taken serious as an actress instead of just a sex symbol. And why not concentrate on her acting instead of, oh, well, she could have accidentally overdosed or she could have been murdered or, you know, maybe she's not even dead. That that kind of bullshit is just, it's tired. We didn't need a, a Netflix documentary about it, for sure. We didn't need the, just this guy just just trying to invent this narrative throughout. And the, the style of it is terrible. There's, you've got actors basically like acting out, like voice right. acting like a TikTok, <laughs> like the, the lip syncing to the tapes. Of, the, of this guy's interviews with Marilyn Monroe's supposed friends. Uh, it's really just, it's a lot of bullshit, this documentary. And I, I really hated it. Honestly, I really, I do hate it a lot for a lot of the reasons that you just said, Jeff, is that it d- does kind of sideline everything that's kind of should be talked about with her. Because uh, she was an incredible actress. We documented that when we talked about The Seven Year Itch, which is one of the most underrated movies of all time. That movie is hilarious. She's brilliant in it, and nobody gives that movie any credit. We're going to talk about a movie in a moment that nobody gives any credit to either, but it's another brilliant film. And, yeah, we don't spend any time talking about that because we all, we're all busy talking about whether or not she might have fucked one of the Kennedys. And it's like, does that matter at all in any way? Does that change anything? I certainly, and really, there's an aspect to this that is so insidious and so sexist that the idea, like, she gets like shit on for for potentially having slept with the Kennedys, and they get to burnish their image. People get to praise the Kennedys, like, look what the, the Kennedys got, Marilyn Monroe. You know, Bill Clinton he only got that intern, but they got Marilyn Monroe. That's why our generation is better than that generation. Fuck you, fuck you, and die. Well, and in the you know, like Monica Lewinsky is, you know, she's well known now, and. While he's while he hasn't been taken completely to task and quote unquote canceled, Bill Clinton is now seen as an abuser mm-hmm. by most people. Why aren't the Kennedys? It's just like as time goes on, you know, during Me Too and all that. Why isn't why aren't people talking about how abusive the leader of the free world was to this vulnerable woman? If they're going to talk about that, no, it's just oh, she was starstruck and she, you know, she's the biggest star in the world. Who's bigger than her? Oh, it's Jack Kennedy, who gives a shit? No, it's because it's, it's a protected boomer sacred cow. So, of course, they're going to they're gonna protect him and say that he did nothing wrong. Let's ask him in a couple days when he comes back. <laughs> I thought that was his son that comes back or came they're back. They're both coming back, Sean. They're oh, they're coming both back. coming back. You missed that part. but I did. I completely missed that. Did you watch wow. this, Bob? I did, and I agree with everything. Even if, let's just say for an argument's sake, you care about the murder of her and all that stuff, even then it's still not good. <laughs> you know, that's the other part that's, yeah. at best, all you get is, oh, they might have taken her body back and forth to the hospital just so Robert Kennedy could get away. That's about the extent of anything new that would have been added here. On top of that, that's in all the reviews of it right up front, so you don't even have to watch the movie to get that information. So it's not even. Uh, yeah, I, 
But even still, there's actually they don't have any actual evidence. No. They've got people saying that might have happened. But, but that's this is the way it might have happened. But if you're into the might have happened stuff, that's all there is. Yeah. And and you have to wait forever to get there. And it's even then it's just like, that's it. <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> of course, you know, rich and famous people do shit like that. Uh, whatever. I don't Who cares? Robert that was the Kennedy, only, go ahead. The only interesting thing about it was hearing a little bit of different tape than you would normally hear. But if you're going to, if, if that's the level that you're going to do, watch the other Netflix documentary, the Gacy one, that was much more interesting. So, <laughs> Yeah, we should have watched the, that one. The, yeah. The, he, he, Robert Kennedy didn't kill Marilyn Monroe. She took an overdose of pills on her own. She did that. That's, Whether that's, it's accidental or suicide, it doesn't matter. It's just she killed herself. Yeah. And it's sad and it shouldn't have happened, but, you know, that's that happens to people every single day. And it's sad that it happened to her because she was so incredible and so talented, but you know, she killed herself. Just as long as there's not a a documentary in 20 years, it says like Michelle Williams killed Heath Ledger, you know, no, he he fucked up. So did she, you know, it's like, Mm. okay. But this is definitely a mistake for Netflix, I think. And I don't know what it does. I'm curious what this, other one they're making is going to be i don't know that we need another movie i don't know if it's a love letter to her or if it's going to the dark side too based on the rating i'm assuming mm-hmm. it's uh not going to be all that positive but uh, this didn't need to exist no definitely not but because we watched it we did decide to bring one of her movies as one of the classics this week and that was gentlemen prefer blondes Yes, uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes uh, from 1953, a Howard Hawks movie, and it's a a big-time musical about a pair of uh, performers, who, who uh, one of whom is definitely what you would call today a gold digger. She definitely goes searching for rich men to be with. But uh, it's funny, the, the spin that, that they put on the idea of gold digger is very funny because it's not malicious like her her idea is not necessarily malicious like she's not just going for this guy because he has money she's going for this guy because he has he has money but he's also like a real sweetheart that she actually kind of does fall in love with in many ways and and in many ways it's kind of a haze code thing like to not make her so terrible but at the same time it's also like she plays that so that line between between you know bad person and good person so beautifully that i don't think anybody she's such a touch to bring sweetness to that character that makes it like she's not a bad person at all for doing what she's doing. Uh, at the same time, you know, Jane Russell is is uh, just doing amazing things on the side, just uh, being being hilarious and like <laughs> just taking taking every every scene and making it so much better with her incredible talent. Uh, she starts romancing this uh, detective who's following Marilyn Monroe's character around uh, to uh, try and catch her in the act of cheating, which she almost does with the character played by Charles Coburn, Piggy, which is a very funny relationship. That guy's hilarious, and his relationship with Marilyn is very funny. Uh, and again, it plays along that line of her being uh, you know, like a typical gold digger, but again, she's just so sweet and innocent that she makes it work, and she doesn't get any credit for that. 
on top of which the music in this movie is phenomenal like from beginning to end yes it's very old school big ben uh stuff but it, it's just there's a reason why diamonds are a girl's best friend still still resonates today like it's still in the pop culture today because it's so good and that set piece is absolutely spectacular but all of the songs in this movie are spectacular like the, I, I adored this movie. I was shocked at how good this movie is because I went into it with a bad attitude. I thought this was going to be so retro and so sexist that it's just going to be hard to hard to get through. And you're just going to cringe your way through all of the anachronisms uh, of today. And it turned out something so completely different. Like this is a rare movie where these these women, even though they're going to be kind of shoved into sort of that heteronormative relationship stuff, it, it still... It it feels so kind of natural in its weird its weird sort of way, and uh, I was really shocked at just how kind of empowered they are. Every man is at their mercy from beginning to end, and not just because they're sexy, but because Jane Russell is super smart and Marilyn Monroe is very innocent, but also kind of streetwise. And that's a really great way to portray these characters. I again, I thought I was going to hate this movie, and I came out of it just another. Uh, the second time in a row with a Marilyn Monroe movie where I come out of this with a whole new respect of just how great an actress she is. I think that one of the reasons that this movie holds up as well as it does is because both women for a change have agency and Mm -hmm. they are, they are fully developed characters. They're not caricatures. They, you know, both of them know what they want. They go about getting it in different ways, but they don't have to, you know, it's not about, we have to find a man. At the end of it, it's like, I want to find a man. And when Marilyn Monroe, my favorite part, aside from the very homoerotic uh, gym sequence, (laughs) where it looks like all the men are just wearing black jock straps, but uh, the... My favorite line is, I'm not going to marry him for his... I'm not trying to marry him for his money. I'm trying to marry him for your money. <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, she's being, just being honest. And, yeah. you know, but but she says it so earnestly. And that whole, you know, that whole explanation of why she cares about him. You can't help but not... You can't help not liking her. Yeah, absolutely. I... I liked it too. I thought I liked how, you know, when you go back and watch an old classic movies, one thing I always try to look for is how watchable it is for someone who like me who's not as educated as Sean is when it comes to classic film and this one's definitely very watchable. I, I don't I won't say it holds up to the way like if you're a fan of like Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy and you're probably not going to watch this and be like this is amazing. I think you'd like <laughs> it okay. Uh, you should if you're a fan of those you should watch this movie but i i think i mean and i don't necessarily think this is any better than those i think it's kind of that movie from that time period it it is the dumb and dumber of or tommy or whatever any of those classic comedies that i think this is what it it should be considered of that era uh i I think both jane russell and marilyn Monroe are amazing and jane russell specifically was my favorite part i thought she owned this movie uh beginning to end uh, it, it was really, really good and easy to watch. I just, I really thought I was going to struggle more than I did with it, if I'm being honest, because I didn't love the other one as much. I thought it mm-hmm. was overhyped. Uh, but again, I was only going off what you and Josh said, so I don't know what everybody else in the world said. <laughs> uh, but, but this one was very good, very watchable, and 
I definitely think people should check it out. I think my favorite scene is is the courtroom scene uh, where Jane Russell's uh, turned her turned right. her hair blonde and mm-hmm. goes in and re- replaces Marilyn in the courtroom. That scene is so phenomenal. She is so smart and so clever uh, throughout that entire scene. The way she plays that is just genius. And Howard Hawks' staging is he's just he's a first rate director. He's just so so clever in how he puts that stuff together, how he creates the, he, he keeps amping up the comedy moments and, and building and building and building. And uh, that, that scene is phenomenal. It's hard it, watching this. It's hard to believe that he's the same guy who made the thing from another world. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, they're mm-hmm. both, this is, this movie's classic. That movie is kind of hard to watch in retrospect, but it's just, he's, everything that he does in this movie is perfect. Yeah. The perfect comedy. Just every, every correct choice, every, every smart play he makes. And, uh, you know, he's got two stars who are just so capable of giving him what he wants. It's so it's, it, this movie's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Someone was going to say something. Getting back to the gym scene. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she realized that she was in a room full of gay guys because <laughs> I mean, I think Jane Russell was always in a room full of gay guys throughout much of her life. <laughs> so she, she was perfectly comfortable. <laughs> uh, y- you've seen a few of those outfits around. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I watch RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my only real problem with the movie has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's just the the creeps of today can look at a movie like this and be like, "See, these women can they own men, and you can't rape a woman, you can't sexually assault them. They they're doing it. They're trying to pull it out of us." And that's what <sighs> I could be. That's and it has nothing to do with this movie. But I've definitely heard that. You know that Joe Rogan. Well, the guy, oh yeah, yeah. Those guys who say they want to take us back to the fifties, they mean the eighteen fifties, right? <laughs> yes, uh, women are cattle. That's what they want. Is women are cattle. <laughs> but that's somebody's crazy... going to Go isolate that audio, Sean, and say that you said that. You know that. Right? <laughs> it's the title of the podcast. <laughs> oh, I dare you! No, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> the title of the podcast is I Can Still Beat Up Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But now I feel bad about it. <laughs> I should, but I don't. Uh, but no, I'm glad. I, I definitely, uh, I just, I really like watching this movie and I'm glad I got to see it and I can't wait till the next one we do. <laughs> yeah, Marilyn Monroe is some, something of a revelation for this podcast. How to Marry a Millionaire. Gotta watch that with Lauren Bacall and Marilyn Monroe and Betty Grable. We have a, we've only done the two, right? Seven Year Itch. As far as I know, yeah, yeah, that's what I can recall. I don't think we've done the summer. Oh, like and All About Eve. We did All About Eve very early on, I think. Right. We didn't do Some Like It Hot yet. We haven't done. Uh, really, we haven't done Some Like It Hot. I wrote about it. Oh, maybe we did. I don't I think. I don't think we did more than three. <laughs> It's been it's been a decade, so I mean, well, I, it, there was also a point where I wasn't watching the classic every week, so that could be one of those mm-hmm. times. Uh, 
Uh, I remember hearing, well, I didn't watch it. <laughs> the old sleep test that we used to have on the podcast. Yep. That Marilyn Monroe documentary did not pass that at all for me. Mm. I fell asleep twice during that thing. Yeah, hard not to. Yeah, just people talking and not saying anything that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the reason we brought Cousin Jeff back is when he was last on, we, we did Prince of Darkness, a John Carpenter movie, uh, and we asked him what his favorite John Carpenter movie was, and he said The Fog, and he said you guys should do it sometime mid-April, and now that it's the first week of May, we did it, and he's... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we wah, brought him on to talk wah. about it. There's something uh, in the fog. <laughs> the fog, which features the greatest film movie, fil- greatest film DJ of all time. There's never been a good radio DJ in a movie other than this one. Adrian Barbeau. Hi, I'm uh, Stevie play- Wayne, and I'm at the top of Antonio Bay, and it's the witching hour. Yeah, go ahead. Best <laughs> radio DJ in a movie ever, bar none. There's no other good one. Uh, and I know this from experience. Uh, this is a movie about uh, about fog and about a town that was cursed by pirates or something, and they come in the fog to take revenge on the town, and they're going to kill six people. Uh, and, and you need uh, me to explain it to you? <laughs> go ahead. Cause, something, I mean, that's what I got. Something the fog? No. Okay. Yeah. So Antonio Bay is celebrating its 100th anniversary on April 21st, 1980. And they're having a big town festival and everybody's really excited about it. And the night before this ghostly fog rolls in and several people die. And then the next night, you know, the next day, uh, Adrian Barbo, Stevie Wayne of the DJ fame, she, her son finds this piece of, he sees a coin on the beach and he goes to pick it up. And it turns into a plank that says Elizabeth Dane, which is the name of a ship that these ghosts came on the night before. And she takes the thing and she's looking at it. And for some reason, she takes it with her to the radio station. Artistic license, I guess, from John Carpenter. But uh, and it, it starts to leak all over her equipment. And then instead of saying Elizabeth Dane on it, it says six will die. Well, they've already killed a couple, and then that night, during the celebration, the fog starts rolling in again, and more people die. Well, the priest, played by Hal Holbrook, finds a diary, as well as a giant gold cross in behind the wall of his uh, sacristy, and he starts reading it, and it turns out that, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this movie, it's 41 years old, for Christ's sake, come on. Um... (laughs) It turns out that the Elizabeth Dane was lured to the to the rocks outside of Spivey Point, outside of Antonio Bay, that uh, to kill everybody on board because they were they wanted to establish a leper colony outside of Antonio Bay, and the town founders didn't want that, so they killed these guys. They stole their gold. They made a big cross, and then for some reason buried it in a wall. I mean, instead of just having it up on top of the church. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Jamie Lee Curtis has, it gets picked up uh, hitchhiking by Tom Atkins, and they have sex for some reason. Um, and I mean, you're going to have sex with Tom Atkins when you see him. I mean, that's just the way that works. How did you know what I did at the last <laughs> horror convention? 
he's great. He would probably be up for it. He's like, hey, that's a good story. You know, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and they get attacked the night before. And then they're instrumental in saving her son. Uh, uh, Vivian Lee is in it playing not Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Um, a lot, just a lot of the John Carpenter repertory theater players are in it and it's fun and it's spooky, but not, you know, no, not overly scary. I would show this to a 12 year old. Um, and they kind of defeat them in the end and, they, and the fog rolls back out and Adrian Barbo gets on the radio and says, you know, if you see the fog, run, run. And it's very like 50s kind of cinema. Yeah. Definitely an homage to a classic 50s horror. Mm, definitely. Did you watch it, Bob? a good movie. <laughs> I, I did watch it. Did yes. You, do you like it, Sean? I couldn't. I I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Bob? I thought it was like a lot anything. of fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I, I do. I think it's Carpenter's best. No, but I think it's his most underrated, probably because I don't hear this one talked about ever. Uh, and I thought this was a. It was. I, I enjoyed watching this, and we all watch again. Uh, and I, I mean, I, it's hard for me to put it at a Halloween or some of the Kurt Russell movies or the thing, but I do think you know it's better than Christine and. Uh, some of his later movies and uh i i just think it's really really good and watchable and fun and i wasn't expecting i really wasn't knowing what to expect but i do enjoy it quite a bit it, it goes by very fast which i appreciate it and uh i i loved adrian barbo i wanted to watch her the entire movie uh, <laughs> the rest like of the characters <laughs> the rest of the characters less than that so i thought the relationship between jamie lee curtis and Tom Hankins was like a little bit like, where did that come from? Uh, the Their time together, the scenes that they have really didn't seem to add up to much to me. Right. I, I agree uh, completely, but the nostalgia of the 80s and that being a lot in a lot of movies like that back then actually made it enjoyable for me. I know plot-wise, it doesn't fit into the movie. It doesn't really matter other than they're there to save the kid at the end. Uh, <laughs> all there the I think movie. that there... You have to have somebody who kind of is solving the mystery while everything's going on. And those two going to the boat that was attacked the night before and, you know, finding the dead body. And then the, then you see that the body gets up and comes after Jamie Lee Curtis. That's, that's advancing a plot, but the relationship was really, (laughs) (laughs) are you weird? Well, yes, yes, I am. Oh, good. Everybody's so normal. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. That's funny. But. Yeah. I, guess I didn't buy into, I just didn't buy into their chemistry and I didn't find their whole thing charming. And uh, it's not that they were, they didn't do anything, I guess. It's just that I, they, in terms of their dynamic, they didn't do anything for me. I wasn't taken with them. Uh, they, they serve, a, they serve a purpose. The, I don't know what I, I don't, I don't really know. I just don't, care much like it just didn't it just didn't grab me and invest me aside from adrian barbo because i kind of wonder i kept wanting to make sure she was okay like i was just wondering is stevie gonna be is she gonna is she gonna survive that's the the only thing that really kind of just yeah (laughs) i kept coming back to that like i wanted her to be all right you wanted Uh, her to be all right sean i just i really liked her 
as a as a performance. Like she, like, and I related to her as a radio DJ. Uh, she's the only good one that's ever been in a movie. So what? Not Wolfman <laughs> Jack. <laughs> not Lynn Thigpen in the Warriors. What? He didn't like no. the Warriors. No, and not a fan. I like it. Okay. I, the Fog is in my top five John Carpenter most watchable movies. Um, you know, for me, it's like I could, I love the thing, but my top three are always going to be interchangeable. It's going to be The Fog, Halloween, and They Live. Right. Just because, you know, just they're the most fun to watch. Right. No, I agree with you. And I, I don't mind this movie. I don't, I just don't, I don't love it. Like, uh, I just, I don't. Yeah, I, are these were these these were then uh, the people who were attacking? They were zombies with like a, like uh, what is that disease that they were talking about? Leprosy. Uh, leprosy. So these were diseased yeah. lepers. Yeah, they pirates. were pirates. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, they had their ship was coming to settle. Mm-hmm. Um, Spivey Point, which is outside of Antonio Bay in the movie, um, they were coming to settle there, and. The one guy, the the priest said, "Yes, you can settle here," but then the town didn't want them, so they decided to move the signal fire more further inland so that they would come and crash against the uh, the rocks outside of Spivey mm-hmm. Point. And I mean, they're ghosts, but the ghosts of lepers. Mm-hmm. So that's why they they you know they're falling apart and there's maggots everywhere. <laughs> Which is what in 1980 what people thought lepers were. <laughs> why did they, well, why did they come back for revenge? <laughs> well, and so if you remember at the end, he's got that giant gold cross that they took all the mm-hmm. they took all the gold from the ship and they melted it down and they made this cross. It's, and then he said, you know, pirates. <laughs> Malone, I've got your gold, you know, because they were going to pay with the gold, mm-hmm. and instead they just stole it and killed them all. Um, so he's got, I've got your gold. And then he grabs it and it turns white hot and, mm-hmm. you know, and they all go away until the stinger at the end where he ends up killing Hal Holbrook after all. Where'd they, where'd they go during all the rest of the time? Like why did they take so long to come back? Cause it was a hundredth <laughs> anniversary. I don't know, Sean. It's oh, it's a it. ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> But that's how the Kennedys are going to come back in the fog. <laughs> yes, <next> yes. <laughs> if you look up and you see a Q-shaped cloud in the sky, that's John F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy Jr. riding down from heaven on a Q-shaped uh, cloud. And it's going to roll across the land, and it's going to make all the rich people poor and all the poor people rich. Wow. That's what I read on some lady on Twitter said this weekend. And all those of us <laughs> leaning left to commit mass suicide. <laughs> yeah, and, and if it doesn't happen, and it's and it, if it doesn't happen to happen this week, it'll happen in like two weeks. Yeah, it's all part of the plan, and so on and yeah. so forth. Just, Trust uh, just the plan. Wait, wait, right? for your ne- wait for your next key drop, and you'll know. You know that we're all gonna get like doxxed and shit because we talked <laughs> bad about you. <laughs> He's watching it. He's never said it before. So I mean, can never order. <laughs> all the shit that Bob and I said for. <laughs> all of our listeners are in India, like literally. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "What the fuck is Q?" Oh, they know. 
I mean, I would say this is probably I'm trying to go through all of them in my head, but I bet this is probably top five. Uh, obviously, Halloween, They Live, The Thing, maybe Escape from New York, and I don't know what else I'm forgetting. I don't, I don't like Big Trouble. Ghost of Mars? No. <laughs> Starman. <laughs> no. I I don't know. I, I, I like Carpenter. I just I, I don't necessarily know that i think i like other i think i don't know they live obviously i think is a classic i don't love halloween the way most people do i love big trouble in little china that movie entertains the fuck out of me and the thing those are yeah escape from new york is less so uh it doesn't hold up well i know that's the opposite for me is a lot of these movies i'd watched when i was younger and i didn't like them but now rewatching mm-hmm. them here they're actually kind of fun for me my brother is insisting that Escape from L.A. is actually good, and I should go rewatch it. I don't know what I'm going to do that <laughs> or not. Uh, uh, but I cannot. Like, Big Trouble Little China, I just can't. I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get yeah. it. I want to like it so bad, and I can't. I Every time I watch it, I'm bored and don't want to finish it. I bought it on Blu-ray for 5 bucks years ago at Best Buy, and I have watched the first 15 minutes of it three times. <laughs> do with that information what you will okay i will <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a real fan got it yes <laughs> yes i'm i'm a fake fan now <laughs> i do feel like though like you're saying marilyn monroe is kind of a, a undiscovered gem for our podcast i feel mm-hmm. like for you carpenter hasn't been the best because other than they live you haven't really loved anything that we've gone back and watched with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's accurate. Oh, uh, while David Cronenberg, we're liking his stuff. Uh, the Carpenter yeah. loves definitely divided. Very true. So, uh, he was well, John Carpenter. I mean, you either, so to me it's always, whenever I have a conversation about John Carpenter, you're either a fan of his sci-fi stuff, sci-fi action or his horror stuff. And the only one that's kind of like the, where the Venn diagram meets is they live. Right. And, you know, in my talking to people, because I love horror movies so much, when we talk about John Carpenter, that seems to be like, I don't know anybody who was like, oh, my God, Big Trouble in Little China is my favorite movie ever. But people like it. They mm-hmm. just don't love it. No, my brother has the outfits. Uh, it's, he's got so, so many custom posters from that stupid freaking movie. Uh, <laughs> like, he even buried stuff from it in his movie. Uh, just so, look in the closet. There's the stupid tank top and all that bullshit. Uh, I, <laughs> that's the one. I think he even named his daughter Gracie. <laughs> wow. To me, the best part of... Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is the Drew Struzan poster. The original one sheet. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Which tends to be the best part of a lot of movies that he did posters for. Master of the Universe. I love that poster. But even looking at Kurt Russell, it's like he did did three things. He either played Kurt Russell, John Wayne, or Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Those were kind of the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he did them all pretty now, <laughs> now he's a little closer to Clint Eastwood than either of the other two anymore. Right. Mm. 
All right. Next week, we've got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Fuck anybody who posted spoilers this weekend. Fuck you. Fuck your brother and your sister (laughs) and your mother. I did not want to be spoiled, and it just was all over this weekend. So I didn't see the spoilers. Oh well, I'm I'm not gonna spoil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I won't see it tomorrow night. I won't be seeing it Thursday. You won't see it at all. <laughs> I just don't care. I mean, how are you going to top everything everywhere all at once? It's just not going to happen. And uh, I'm also you got to look at it. Compl- you've got to look at it from a completely different. Oh, I know. You know, this is this is a Marvel movie, not a wonderful, perfect. No, I, I agree completely. I'm just <laughs> I'm marveled out, uh, and I just don't want to see any more Marvel movies. That's kind of where. <laughs> Um, I just my only hope is that they'll find some way to you know find a way to get anal insertion to Doc Strange. That's all I'm saying is that they need that. If that <laughs> happens, make a I'm giving permission <laughs> right now to spoil it, and then I will go see it this weekend. <laughs> Doctor Strange does Doctor Strange from behind. <laughs> I was watching your wheels turn, Jeff. Like you, so many jokes occurring to you all at once, and you couldn't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't have a classic yet, and there's like a shit ton of movies in '92, none of which I think are all that relevant. Big girls oh. don't cry; they get even. Crisscross. I think I've actually seen that before. The jump, f- jump, everybody, jump. <laughs> it was the '90s. How? The documentary. <laughs> uh, the favor, the watch, and the very big fish. One false move Ooh. in Poison Ivy. One false move is a really good movie. Really? All right. Poison, Ivy, Poison Ivy. Ivy I, uh, <sighs> Poison Ivy, I've got a lot of memories of those, I'll say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a lot of blacklight. <laughs> See, I was a big Goldie Hawn fan, so that's why I watched Crisscross for the same reason you probably watched Poison Ivy. I think uh, I have, yeah, I have no memory of that movie. <laughs> uh, so I, I so Bob has a mom fetish. That's where we're. <laughs> wow, that is my oddly enough my TikTok algorithm is hot moms, and I'm not. It's nothing I've typed in here. I don't. It won't, like I'm trying to get something else. Uh, <laughs> I have never been prouder than to say that I don't have a TikTok algorithm. You don't have a TikTok at all? No, I don't. Oh. Hmm. I mean, there's other stuff on there, too. A lot I of- get enough of it on Instagram. <laughs> Mine's all just like big muscle dudes, on, and I don't even care about big muscle dudes. They're just all over my Oddly Instagram enough, search page. It's all over my Instagram, too, but I follow a lot of wrestlers. <laughs> Bob, save this for the Pride episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to play Flick Chart? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Where is it? Oh, I have a, I have a classic for you. I just, picked it up. I just finally picked it up um, on uh, Blu-ray. This can be your classic. What is it? Alligator with Robert Forster. Uh, 
Done and done. No, Sean doesn't <laughs> look interested. <laughs> Sean is like anything. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bad News Bears 2005 or Godzilla 2014? Literally, I don't like anything. I would pick Godzilla out of those two because I would not watch that. Oh, uh, uh, did I like Godzilla 2014? I, I think you you and I actually kind of defended Godzilla against Josh. Oh, really? Nobody liked I don't Bad remember. Bears. Yeah, they both suck. Uh, I'm kidding. I don't know. The Ten Commandments yeah. of what happens in <laughs> Vegas. What happens in Vegas? <laughs> yeah. Take Bad Ashton Kutcher more than I like that more than four hours of fucking Charlton Heston in anything. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three or Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Star Wars. Star Wars. I'm not gonna vote. Always. Eraser. Benchwarmers. Eraser. Yeah, I liked Eraser. It had Jane Lynch in it. I'm going Benchwarmers. Before she was Jane Lynch. Lost in Translation, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Lost in Translation. Uh, definitely Lost in Translation. I just posted my review of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen on my brand new blog. Did you like it or not? <laughs> no, I hated it. Well, I was... Who's Robus Burt? Oh, it's Rob Icebert. I've never seen that. Oh. <laughs> Crazy Six. Rob- I've never seen that either. Yeah, no, I've never even heard of that. I didn't know that existed. Who's Rob? And who's yeah? Who's the Rob? Rob Schneider. No, <laughs> I can't see. I can't tell from that poster. Yeah. All right, the Horse Whisperer or Joe Dirt. Horse Whisperer. I guess I didn't like either one of them. So uh, they're both garbage. But I mean, Joe Dirt is flaming garbage. So if you want your garbage on fire, that's the one. Oh, okay. Event Horizon, the Santa Claus, the movie. Event Horizon. Is that, is that Event Horizon, or is that the is that a um, uh, sequel? Sequel. It's, I, I think it's just a subtitle. It says ninety-seven. I think okay, it's just a subtitle. Event Horizon. Yeah. If it were the Santa Claus two, I would pick the Santa Claus two. I'm just saying. I'd still, pick Event Horizon. Uh, <laughs> The game, Sister Act Two. The game. I, I'm going to say the game, but I, I almost picked Sister Act Two just because I feel the need to uh, defend Whoopi Goldberg. But go ahead, the game. That is Whoopi a- Goldberg is a very nice woman. She was very nice to me when I worked at Best Buy. Uh, anyway. Oh, that's cool. Awesome. Bloodsport, Green Lantern. Bloodsport. Bloodsport only because you see a lot of Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. The Three Musketeers, 93, Juliet of the Spirits. I've not seen Juliet of the Spirits. Neither have I. Neither have I. Happy Gilmore, The Three Musketeers. <laughs> I love putting Sean in these situations. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'd rather watch The Three Musketeers, honestly. I hate that. I hate Happy Gilmore. I hate cat. Yeah, okay. Um, full disclosure, I lost my virginity to Happy Gilmore, so I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never gotten to that. You had sex with Adam Sandler. <laughs> it was, hey, let's throw a movie on. Okay, this is it. And then, like as soon as the movie how, starts, we didn't. How did that 
how did that set the mood? Just um, <laughs> you guys, the two guys, anything can set the mood. But you got you got Sting and Brian <laughs> Adams and Rod Stewart making <laughs> beautiful music on the other one. No, I hate that movie, The Three Musketeers. Uh, the name of the rose or fifty fifty. I've never seen the name of the rose. Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't recall. 50- I've seen it only because of Christian Slater's ass, but. <laughs> oh well, sorry. I should have. Uh, I'm gonna, American Psycho I'm fifty pick- fifty. American Psycho. Fifty fifty. I go American Psycho as well. Ooh. I like fifty fifty, but. I don't know. American Psycho still, I don't get it, but it's intriguing every time I walk in. House of Wax, Man of Steel. Man of Steel. I'm going to defend House of Wax. I saw it to watch Paris Hilton get murdered, because I really wanted to see that. But as time has gone on, it's actually a lot more fun than it should be. So Mm. I'm going to pick House of Wax. I do like Man of Steel. Although you do get to see Kevin... What's his face? Die in Man of Steel. So Kevin yeah, Costner. Kevin Costner. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. There's that. That's the feeling. Adventures in Babysitting. Oh. Sixteen Candles. Adventures in not Babysitting. Sixteen Candles for me. Not Adventures in Babysitting, but not the Disney Plus version. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. I agree. Adventures in Babysitting. What, if you're gonna have that movie, don't. Come on, everybody knows don't fuck with the babysitter. That's the best line of the whole movie. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in the West, natu- National Treasure Book of Secrets. Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah. Agreed, although we'll have to go back and see if Nicolas Cage made that movie any better in hindsight. <laughs> Twilight Breaking I know what Sean's picking. Oh, for fuck's sake. Twilight Breaking Dawn or A View to Kill. A view to a kill. kill. Yeah, thank you. Good. I'll take fishing with Gandhi. <laughs> I won't vote, so that can win. I don't really care. <laughs> Paths of Glory from Hell. From Hell. Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory is amazing. It's it's a it's Kubrick, uh, but I would rather wa- I would watch From Hell right now because I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie too. So we'll pick that. I agree. Jacqueline Foracar. Alice in Wonderland, 2010, The Man Who Wasn't There. The Man Who Wasn't There by a lot. Yep. Five. Although I did see a good uh, Johnny Depp meme with he was Willy Wonka and she was Jesus. the chocolate factory. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> a lot of Johnny Depp memes lately. Uh, 500 Days of Summer, Freaky Friday. 500 Days of Summer. Freaky Friday because I hate Emily Deschanel. See, I was just gonna be like, isn't, really, that, isn't it Zoe Deschanel in that movie? No, it's it's um, is it? Yeah, it's Zoe Deschanel. I just ugh. <laughs> so wait, do you, you you're picking against it because you hate the person who's not in it? <laughs> no, I hate Zoe Deschanel. Oh, okay, I'm, that's what I meant to say. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I have a soft spot for Lindsay Lohan, so we're going to pick Freaky Friday. I actually like Freaky Friday, but I do think 500 Days of Summer is better. <laughs> uh, end of Days, The Deer Hunter. I have The Deer Hunter. I just haven't watched it yet. Fast forward 45 minutes. 
and then start. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the deer hunter and just pretend that first 45 minutes doesn't exist. And, right. and it's better well, than my, days. my friend is in the first 45 minutes. So I have to watch that. But <laughs> I think you see De Niro's dick running around town. Remember, right? <laughs> That's the friend he's talking about. <laughs> I do remember pausing. I'm like, because it's in the distance. And I'm like, can you see it? Or I, I'm always intrigued by nudity. Male or female. <laughs> Mr. Holland's opus, The Shining. The Shining. Shining. Bill and Ted's bogus journey, The Client. The Client. Same. Yeah. Tremors, A Simple Plan. A Simple Plan. Tremors, that was fun. Yeah, I do like Tremors, but A Simple Plan's awesome. Dragnet. Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. <laughs> uh, I'm always. Like, I don't like watching Blue Velvet, but I feel like I need to say it's good. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go Blue Velvet. You don't have to pick what you should, Bob. You pick what you like. Well, I don't like Dragnet. <laughs> so oh, it, was, okay. it was easier. Uh, the Reader Sling Blade. Sling Blade. Well, I guess I'm going to have to pick Sling Blade. <laughs> I've never seen Sling Blade. City Slickers 2, not another teen movie. Uh, uh, You guys pick. (laughs) Bob, you guys. Not not another teen movie. movie. This is the last parody I actually liked. (laughs) That's fine. 500 Days of Summer, The Hoodlum Soldier. I've never heard of the Hoodlum Soldier. I've never heard of it. Anything without... Only because it doesn't have Zoe Deschanel in it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, that's way funny. Bruce Almighty or 500 Days of Summer. Bruce Almighty. 500 Days of Summer. So if it was Almost Famous or something else, you hate that movie too? No, I don't hate that movie. All right. Just as long as she's not the star. (laughs) Yeah, it's like... I watched three episodes of the new girl and I wanted to really just throw my TV off the wall. Um, it was just sh- that whole tweet. Oh, I'm so quirky. Uh, no, you're not. You're fucking annoying. That being said, the Brady Bunch movie. Sure. Jan. Yeah. It's the Brady Bunch movie versus about time. Uh, what you about say? time? Yeah. About time. Agreed. Uh, we're not doing that one. Uh, the, but I love veggie tit. I don't. The dark, <laughs> the, the dark Knight reality bites. <sighs> Over time, I have. It's the I, dark night. The dark night was great, but over time, I've lost a little bit of. It's lost a, bit, a little bit of sheen. Overall, still Heath Ledger's best performance, but I really like Reality Bites. But I'll pick The Dark Knight. I think I was going to go Reality Bites, but because I'm kind of with you, I loved Dark Knight at first. It just, I don't know. I just feel like there's more holes in it than people think. Yeah, I mean, the performances oh, are phenomenal. great, but Christopher but Nolan's a like, hack. <laughs> uh, like, like most. <laughs> 
most of the modern Batman movies, it's about a half an hour too long. Right. You know, I mean, we look at how how dark and brooding the Batman is. Well, yeah, it would be less dark and brooding and take a half hour off of it. Right. Basketball mash. Mash. Yeah, mash. I have a soft spot for basketball, and I've never seen mash. <laughs> uh, tombstone or sneakers? Tombstone. tombstone. Yeah, once from hell. That's a fun one for you. That's tough. That is tough. I love those movies. I'm gonna go with once from hell. That's tough. I'm only picking from hell because you know Sean and I have to pick the opposite movies all the time. Right. <laughs> no, I really from hell. I can. It's it's one of those movies that can just be on, and I don't have to be watching it. It can mm-hmm. just be on. Right. I'm a really. I just love as much as I like. I don't know. I like music movies, even though it's not really a genre I care about. I thought once was a hell of a movie, and I love From Hell as well. But Backdraft, Beowulf. Uh, between those two, Backdraft. Agreed. I don't know if Sean's just not saying anything or if he's frozen. Uh, Blade Runner Another great by next door. Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner. Another great Drew Struzan poster right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Rogue One. Rogue One or the Maltese Falcon. Um, Maltese Falcon for me. Agreed. Although Rogue One is my second favorite Star Wars movie. The Simpsons movie, 12 Angry Men. That's Angry Men. tough. That is hard for me because I, I, think, uh, I think they're both incredible. Uh, um, Simpsons movie. I'm going to go 12 Angry Men. Only because you get I feel okay with about it. it. <laughs> Alien Covenant, throw Mama from the Train. I hate both of those movies. I hate them both. I don't know what to do. I haven't seen Throw Mama from the Train since 1987. So, Alien Covenant. Now I was going to say Throw Mama from the Train. So, let's just hit the middle button and not (laughs) the reader blast from the past. Blast Blast from from the past. past. What is Blast from the Past? Brendan Fraser, Alicia, Cal- Alicia Silverstone in romantic comedy. Huh. Brendan Fraser plays a guy whose tr- whose family raised him inside of a bomb shelter, and then he gets out to uh, go try and get new resources for them, and finds that the world wasn't destroyed by a nuclear bomb it, before he was born. So, yeah, it's like it's less, a lot less of fun. She's, village, Alicia Silverstone village. is adorable. Yeah. It's great. I, I really love that movie. Christopher Walken's in it. He's hilarious. I vaguely remember the trailers now, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, the Rock or Never Say Never Again. The Rock. Mm, yeah. Agreed. I see The Rock now that I think about it. <laughs> Winter's Bone or Mean Streets? Oh, man. Wow. Uh, um... 
Winter's Bone, actually, I think is actually a better movie. Yeah, I could watch that again, where I think, having seen Mean Streets a couple times when I was a teenager, I don't think I'd watch it again. I agree. I I liked it okay, but it's like the next level down Scorsese, I think. Mm-hmm. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Agreed. City Slickers, Legend. 1985 Legend. Not that there's another one, but... <laughs> City Slickers. Uh, I'm going to say Legend just because of Tim Curry. <laughs> I hate Tom Cruise, so yeah. but I love I love Darkness and Legend. And the City Slickers was actually pretty good. Uh, although it's not like we need more movies about white males going on vacation. Uh, the Born Legacy, Wall Street. Born Legacy. Uh, Wall Street. Yeah. Undertow Reality Bites. I didn't see Undertow. Neither did I. I did, but it's been a long time. 30 Days of Night Reality Bites. Reality Bites. Yeah, Reality Bites. Yeah, I just can't stand about reality biases. I, I, there's aspects of it I, I really enjoy, but that line that, that Ethan Hawke has, there's a world of regret on my shoulders. Like, fuck off. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Ethan Hawke. I, granted, it's not his fault. Nobody could deliver that line. There's like no actor on the planet who could make that line work. He does the best he can with it, but it drives yeah, me nuts. Nicholas Cage could deliver that line. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> no, I'm surprised he didn't. <laughs> Uh, see now I want to see reality bites with Nicolas Cage in it <laughs> uh, want to go out on that <laughs> do wanna, sure or do we want to run this thing to a Batman movie and add another half an hour to it <laughs> no, that's fine. all right thanks Jeff for joining us it was fun and uh, we need to remember to ask him to come back every horror movie we talk about <laughs> yeah let me know anytime Awesome. As long as you're not recording on a Wednesday, I am perfectly fine. Perfect. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.